Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast... It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, and review. Hang out with us for a while, right here on the Jam Session Podcast, sponsored as always by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle, so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, Doc? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren. This is Jam Session, the podcast version 256, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. Oh, we will dazzle and entertain you. A, a commitment, I should say, that just sent shockwaves through the world of college football that we've got to get into. Some stories going around the block, the NBA draft. There's a lot to discuss but we won't discuss any of that without telling you about our good friends who helped to very much make this possible. Robert Greening and his staff at Greening Law, the Green Team. And I can tell you, as I have been, they fight that legal battle for you. If you've been hurt in a car accident like I was, if you've experienced malpractices, injured on the premises of a business, whatever the case may be, you got to give Robert Greening and his staff a call because they really do. I mean, I was just emailing with somebody earlier today because I got another procedure coming up next week as we try and figure out, can my back be fixed? Is there hope for the nuisance that my back has become since my car wreck? The good thing is, all see, and this is what it means. They handle all that crap behind the scenes so that all I have to do is like, hey, Matt, we found you another doctor. Let's see what this guy says. And that's just me focusing on my healing and renewal because they handle all that other stuff. Nah, bro, and they do a fantastic job of it. If, if you've listened to Matt during his during his time period, he's walked you through the process of how they, you know, they take care of things. They help set appointments. They change appointments if he's not comfortable with a certain area of town or a certain doctor. This or that. That's what you want, man. You want somebody riding for you when you're in this kind of situation, because you know the other insurance company is riding for for their client. And so the thing about the green team is pick up the phone, give them a call, and let them see if they can help you through what could be a really daunting process if you got to go it alone. It's easy to do, man. That consultation, absolutely free. It is 972-934-8900. Write it down. Just keep it handy with you. Or memorize it like we have. 972-934-8900. It's Robert Greening. Call now. Offices, Dallas, Texas. So as we record this on Thursday afternoon here on June 23rd, this, this, the news came out about 15 minutes before I went on the air to do my radio show today. The highest recruit in the country, Arch Manning. And you go, Arch Manning, huh? Okay. So for those of you that don't know, yes, Arch Manning is the grandson of Archie Manning, the nephew of Peyton and Eli Manning, and is generally looked at as the next great 
Manning quarterback. I mean, he is looked at on a level that he will be the next number one overall draft pick in the NFL and will continue the Manning lineage and all that type of stuff. The third brother, Cooper, this is his kid. Arch Manning is the highest rated recruit in the 2023 class and is one of the highest rated quarterback recruits of all time. And today he announced he is taking his talents to Austin, Texas. He has committed to play football for the Texas Longhorns. And I ain't really surprised, bro. I'm really not surprised. Um, and here's why. If you look at if you look at Peyton Manning, Tennessee wasn't really the spot people thought he was going. If you look at Eli Manning, Ole Miss certainly was a spot people thought he was going, per se. And so I think the Manning guys have always decided, let me go to a spot where I can kind of create my own deal because either the team isn't is, mm-hmm. has a tradition, but they aren't really great right now. And if I go and take them back, I'm kind of like a legend forever. And I just think if you look at it, he could go to Alabama, which I think was one of the two finalists. You would know better than me. Yeah, it was really Texas uh, and Georgia were the two. Oh, yeah, you're right. I meant Georgia. You can go to Georgia, but they just won a national championship. If you go there, what are you doing? I'm just, I'm just another wheel in the spoke. That won a, another spoke of the wheel. That won a national championship at Georgia. As we try to unseat Alabama as you know the next the next dynasty. But if you go to Texas, which ain't done shit in a decade, and you get Longhorns back to being anywhere close to what they used to be, oh, now you're 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 that kind of legendary player that we talked about, and it's all because we didn't do nothing until you showed up. Blah blah blah. And so I think uh, I, once I heard it was Texas. I was happy because I think college football is better when Texas is good, not when they're trash like they've been. Yeah. And so I was like, this is uh, this is great. I'm pleased. It's really interesting, too, because you look at this. I mean, he is a full-blown five-star recruit. He has the 24-7 sports composite, which is what I like to use because it is a co- uh, it's literally a composite of a variety of different recruiting services. And they take that and they have their rankings and they put it all together. He is – they've been doing this since 2000. And so he's in the class of 2023. So whatever that is, like 24 classes, only three times in the history of the 24-7 composite has there been a player ranked as a perfect five-star with a 1,000 score, like a rating of 1.0000. Only three times ever has that happened. All three times those quarterbacks have gone to Texas. Vince Young was the first one. Quinn Ewers is the second one. He is now the quarterback at Texas, or many believe he will be the starter this fall. And now Arch Manning will arrive next year, which sets up an opportunity for Texas. Now, keep in mind, Quinn Ewers could go into the draft after two seasons at Texas because he was at Ohio State last year. He could start this year. He could be a junior starter when Arch Manning is a true freshman. You have to be three years removed from high school to be eligible for the NFL draft, which would put... Arch Manning playing in 2024 and 2025 and then entering the 2026 NFL draft would be the first time that he would be eligible once he graduates high school. So Texas could have two of the highest ranked quarterback recruits ever playing for them for four consecutive years. Well, let me tell you how it should go. Um, What you want is for yours to be who everybody thinks yours is and for him to play great this year for him to uh, then show back up and say, well, we didn't win the national championship. I'll try to win the national championship. Arch to show up and be like, 
yo, you know what? I'm cool. My family's got money. I'm in no hurry to get to the NFL. I'll spend a year, you know, learning the whole offense while backing up Quinn and playing a lot when we blow people out. And uh, and when then when Ewers leaves, then you got Arch for two full seasons. Yep. Um, and by that time, if if Ewers has done what he's supposed to do, and Arch has done what he's supposed to do, then and I, I'm being real, I'm not just talking about my boys. But then you'll have the five stars lined up because they'll go, oh, Sarkeesian can get them, develop them, and take them to the NFL as top five picks. So, yeah, I don't mind going to Texas. And, yeah, I'll wait my turn behind the next guy because he's only going to be there a couple years. And that's what you have with Haskins and then Justin Fields and now C.J. Stroud. And they got three or, you know, whoever's waiting in the wings. I don't even know their names yet. And that's how they've got it at Alabama for now coming up now and that's how you want it bro and now texas finally got a situation if they can develop that will be that'll be sweet for them yeah and that's that's really one of the keys because you look at this texas's problem this is going to be a big problem in 2022 that they're going to have to work on they're very much like ole miss Ole Miss with Lane Kiffin, they've got an elite-level play caller who's a very good offensive mind. That's exactly what Sark is. They've got pieces on offense that you can win with because you can score with anybody. The problem becomes, and we were talking about this with the Cowboys for a little while. Okay, you've got this, this because Texas is going to have an elite-level offense. You've got the highest-ranked quarterback recruit, and unless he's a bust, which is very rare with guys ranked that high, they should be fine in that realm. You've got a Heisman Trophy candidate who many people believe is the best running back in college football, and a lot of people are already projecting will be a first-round NFL pick in B. John Robinson. You've got the returning Big 12 Newcomer of the Year and wide receiver Xavier Worthy. And oh, by the way, you went out and pulled in former five-star recruit from, from Alabama, Ajay Hall. You also have a very highly ranked transfer wide receiver coming in from Wyoming named Isaiah Nayor. And you've got Jalil Billingsley, who's a former big-time tight end recruit from Alabama. They're going to have the pieces there offensively to put up a lot of points. The problem is their defense is trash, and they're going to. I still don't know that they have fixed other teams' abilities to be able to just run all over them at will. But when you can score a lot, you can keep yourself in games. It just puts a lot of pressure on the offense. What I think will happen, the Quinn Ewers signing does it. Obviously, the Arch Manning commitment will do it. There will be recruits across the country who are now going to look at it and go, okay, what's going on over there? Because I know who Arch Manning is, and I want to go play with that dude. Bro, that's what's up, man. I mean, all Alabama's like this. Ohio State's like this. Clemson has been like this. If you can get that guy to show up, he does all the recruiting for you. Because, I mean, the way everything is now and all these guys are playing at the same big-time camps or going to all the same camps, they've got everybody's number yeah. who's 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 another star like they are. They send a text, hey, dog, I'm about to commit to uh, Texas. Come ride with your boy, man. Let's go do this thing with the horns. And, you know, they have a group chat going. I mean, it's it's the way college football is recruiting now. I mean, do you think it's a coinka dink? And I keep bringing up my boys because they had a big week that they signed one five-star receiver who was the number – three or number two receiver and the next day the number one receiver goes oh yeah now i'm coming too well i mean they've been talking about playing together and all these guys are like that and as long as your program is one of them that's drawing it it's all good and texas has also got that nil or collective money that uh that they can break them off as well yeah and they're going to be using that i mean don't make no mistake about that they will be 
using that. And they should be using that. And I imagine that we'll find out that Quinn Ewers got something, you know, and I have zero problem with that. I, I, you would hope that that's exactly what they do, because if they don't, it kind of makes you wonder, like, okay, well, what the hell are we doing then? <laughs> I mean, you've got I mean, all that money. Like, Use it. And, and even a guy like Arch Manning, whose family has money, but check this out, man. Your family having money and you having money is not always the same thing, uh, because everybody's got to do their own thing in life. Um, and so, yeah, if he can get a deal from Texas that pays him a million or two million or three million or whatever the going rate is, that's money in his bank account. And, uh, you know, that's part of your independence, bro. Yeah. And, and, you know, you don't put a lot of stock into it right now in the 2023 class. I mean, you got Arch Manning. That's great. They also right now have commitments from two of the top 12 wide receiver recruits in the country. And there's a third that is also highly ranked that I would imagine would highly consider coming to Texas in the class of 2023 here. They also got uh, Arch Manning's tight end who committed a few days ago. His name is Will Randall, who is playing at, I think it's called Isidore Newman is the high school that they go to there in New Orleans. So both those yeah. guys, you know, and you, you look at this and that's, that's what it becomes is how do you capitalize on this? Like somebody earlier said, well, now with Quinn Ewers and, and Arch Manning going to Texas, if they don't win a championship in the next four years, is it a colossal failure? I said, no, because it depends on the recruiting. Because it's one thing, okay, we got Arch Manning. Awesome. Well, now you've got to turn that into the type of class that A&M just had. Okay, I'm going uh, to take it a step further, bro. It ain't just – they're going to get players. I'm telling you, bro. It's about development. Well, they right, develop. but you have to get them first. And, yeah, and that's one but, thing. Like, they've got to get, like, this level of quarterback, finishing with the fifth best class, you should be able to do what A&M did and be able to go out and get a number one overall class and really bank with a bunch of five stars and high-level talent. Then yeah. take that and develop it, which is something right. Texas hasn't done since Mac Brown. Now, the key, the key is development a lot of a lot of great players come through the through the big name programs texas's recruiting classes have been okay it's not like they've been bad but the problem is they haven't developed those those five stars and the players that they've gotten who are supposed to be really good and turned them into big time draft picks because cats who come to the cats who play division one big time division one football five stars and your top elite four star guys to me they got two goals I want to play for a national championship. I want to get to the league. And so, you know, okay, fine. We only we all know it's hard to beat Alabama right now while you're trying to win a championship. Okay, fine. Let's get to the playoff, whatever. But ultimately, I want to get to the league, and I want to be a high draft choice. And if you can develop guys and get them to the league as high draft choices, it keeps the pipelines open to me fairly easily. I mean, Alabama, all Nick Saban does is, hey, go look at the draft the last five years and decide if you want to come to us. You know, Clemson has done the same thing. Ohio State has done the same thing. Um, Oklahoma has kind of done it. Now we'll see if Lincoln Riley can do it at Southern Cal. But if you get guys to the league at a high level, high draft choices, oh, your cupboard is always full, man, because guys want to go to the league. And, yeah, I'd like to play for a championship too. But, really, I want to get to the league. Yeah, I mean, reality of it is, and that's one thing that people don't seem to realize about Texas, is Tom Herman had back-to-back third overall recruiting classes. In 2018 and 2019, the Texas recruiting classes were third in the country, and he followed that up in 2020. I want to say they were ninth overall. And, and 
when you do that, and obviously Sark's first year, every time there's a new year head coach, for the most part, it falls a little bit. They were 15th. And then in 2022, this past recruiting cycle, he had a top five class. They were fifth coming off a five and seven record. Now the key becomes, because the offensive talent, I think they're going to be totally fine offensively. I, I, I think that they're going to have one of the more explosive offenses in the country just based on the pieces they have, barring injury. But can you figure out a way to start getting that defensive talent as well? Which you, you talk about Ohio State, and we've seen that just because they have had good offenses, it doesn't mean their defense has been trash. Same with Clemson, same with Alabama. And the elite programs that are out there, Georgia's the same way, where you can recruit on both sides of the ball and develop on both sides of the ball and not just be, hey, come to Texas because we're going to throw for 7,000 yards. We're going to have three 1,000-yard receivers, a couple thousand yard backs. We're going to be in a lot of 63 to 56 games. We're just going to lose half of them. Yeah, I mean, you ain't trying to be Texas Tech. Uh, but, you know, you, it starts with being a dynamic offense. Yeah. Uh, but trust me. Um, my boys, and I'm talking a lot about them today, uh, more so than usual, but my boys last year, great offense, raggedy-ass defense. And that's why they did what they did. Uh, against basic teams, you blow them out or you beat them 57-30. Yeah. And against good teams, you might get your ass kicked or you might figure out a way to win you know, 42-35. But you don't really have a chance to do anything in a playoff if you get there because your defense ain't good enough. And I think it's interesting when you look at the history of the number one overall quarterback recruit, and, and I kind of went back through, and I just went through the, the last 15 years just looking at this to kind of give you an idea because there's people out there, oh, well, I mean, they're not going to hit on both. And, and there's a chance that they won't. But it's interesting because you look at it, and just going all the way back the last 15, the number one overall quarterback recruit, not the fact that they were the number one overall in their class. That's only happened a few times. Terrell Pryor at Ohio State, he turned out all right. And I'm just talking college-wise. This is not any – because to me, I don't give a crap if you're good in the pros or not. It doesn't matter. Right, right. Matt Barkley at USC, who obviously is a junior at USC, if he had come out that year – remember, that was the whole thing. He stayed a year too long. He would have been the number one overall pick. He went back for his last year, ended up just kind of being okay. Right. Philip Sims at Alabama, who never really did anything, ended up actually transferring. I think he ended up at Virginia. Jeff Driscoll at Florida, who was good before he got wrapped up in that thing and ended up transferring to Louisiana Tech. Jameis Winston at Florida State won a national title in a Heisman. Max Brown at USC, who never did anything. Kyle Allen at Texas A&M, and that's a year you wonder how they missed Deshaun Watson, who they had ranked second. Josh Rosen at UCLA, who had a very nice collegiate career. Shea Patterson at Ole Miss, they had a falling out there. There's a bunch of crap behind the scenes. He ended up at Michigan. Davis right. Mills at Stanford, who had a very nice collegiate career, and Stanford's just on a different level. Trevor Lawrence at Clemson, we all know about him. Spencer Rattler at Oklahoma. Bryce Young at Alabama. Quinn Ewers at Texas. Clade Klubnik at Clemson, who very well may be the starter this year over DJ Uyunglele. And then Arch Manning at Texas. Those are the number one overall quarterback recruits of the last 15 years. So you can see, for the most part, just based on collegiately, for the most part, those guys have solid collegiate careers. Now, some of them are busts, but I mean, out of 15 of those guys, 10 of them were at minimum a solid to good college quarterback, with some of them being damn good. Dude, it's, um, I mean, it seems to me, man, you just, you're trying to get in the hunt. You know what I mean? And it's like anything else, the more of them you have. Uh, they roll through your program. The better, it, the better it is. But it's, 
it's a hard position to play. It's a hard position to excel. And it's a hard position to be an elite, elite guy. A lot of them come through, but very few of them turn out to be truly elite players. Yeah, and that's what's crazy is since 2000, the number one overall recruit in the country has been a quarterback only five times. Vince Young in 2002, he turned out okay. Matt Barkley at USC, who was the number one overall recruit in his class. Trevor Lawrence, Quinn Ewers, and Arch Manning. Wow. That's it since, since they've been doing this. That ain't very many, bro. I mean, it's, it's, it's a hard thing to do, bro. I mean, to be an elite quarterback at this level of college football, um, you know, uh, look at the draft this year, bro. There's no quarterbacks coming out. There's some good ones, but we're talking about elite-level guys, guys who are different makers, guys who can who can uh, make things happen by themselves, so to speak, guys who can take you to championships and beat teams like Alabama that ain't giving you nothing. Those are few and far between, bro. Yeah, and generally speaking, I mean, high school is the same way. Now, most of the time, you, you could scroll through and, like, in the top five quarterbacks of any given class, a couple of them turn out pretty good. But, like, that year that Shea Patterson was the number one quarterback – you, right. the, the other guys right behind him, Jacob Eason, KJ Costello, Malik Henry, and Felipe Franks. Those were the top five high school quarterbacks. Felipe Franks, didn't he bust at Florida? He busted at Florida. Jacob Eason, who went from Georgia and ended up at Washington, he was just kind of okay. You know, you even look, look at the Max Brown year when Max Brown was the number one recruit. I don't even know who Max Brown is. Oh, he was a big deal at USC, and he never ended up doing anything. And he flamed out and... You know, that, that was a crappy class, too, because Mitchell Trubisky and Jared Goff ended up being the two best quarterbacks, and they weren't even in the top 15. <laughs> Bro. So, generally speaking, I mean, you do have years like that, but point being, Texas has a really good chance here because Ewers and Manning aren't both going to suck. One of them is going to be really, really good. Um, and I have a feeling it'll be Manning because I think Quinn Ewers is going to spend a couple of years helping Texas get to where the floor can be 10 wins again. And then Arch Manning, by the time he's ready for it, he can punch through and take them to a playoff and maybe a national championship because it'll take another couple of years to build the depth, build the defense, and get them to where they can really compete with the Alabamas and the Georgias and the Ohio States. Okay, I'll do that because I was going to ask why you, what you thought you were seal- – like you think he's, he's going to be top five NFL pick? even though he hadn't played a college game yet. They say he is, man. I mean, based on everything you hear about him, that he, that's the projection. And again, without having seen him play in college, we'll see. But he's not going to have the team around him that Arch Manning is going to have by the time he gets to Texas. Right. Because again, like like people always say, oh, Texas is back. They got Arch Manning. I'm like, no. And I've said this before. It, it's not, you cannot be back based on one season. You can't. If Texas no. goes 11-1 and one this year, I don't give a crap. I mean, I do. That would be awesome. But you're not back because Mac Brown ran through a decade plus where the floor was 10 wins and your ceiling was national championships. And that's where Clemson is. That's where Ohio State is, Alabama, Georgia. It's hard to get on that level, man. A&M has never been there and they're trying to get there, which is why I tell people pump the brakes on A&M because they have one 10 win season in the last 22 years. It, it, getting a 10 win season is nice. Like what Herman did at Texas when they went ten and three a couple of years ago, but if you can't repeat that where your floor is that expectation, then you are not consistently in a championship conversation, and you're not really one of those elite programs. No, I think that's uh, I think that's fair, and that's why it takes a minute 
to get where Matt's talking about having to go because you got to build it up and, you know, you just got to have a cycle, man. And then you got to, I keep saying the same thing because it's true. If you can, this is a huge, I mean, to me, this is kind of like the crossroads for the Texas program because you got two big time quarterbacks now back to back. If you can't, win and make a run and really solidify yourself is we're on our way back to being an elite program. I don't know when you're ever going to do it because those guys alone will draw elite offensive players and, and, and elite players. And Texas got everything else um, infrastructure wise that they need to win. Now it's what can you help make these guys better and then have help them win games and beat people that they're supposed to beat. And if you lose to Oklahoma, okay, that's all right. But you can't be losing to Kansas and Texas Tech and Oklahoma State and all these other programs. That's true. That I mean, you are exactly right. And that's the way that they've got to figure out how to get back on that level. And, you know, you go all the way back to probably when Mac Brown first got to Texas. And he was there. And, and again, he was trying to turn them into – really kind of what they had gone through for years before he got there. When I want to say, oh, who was before him? Makovic, I guess it was. Yeah. And he was there. And they had some good seasons, and then they just kind of fell off. Then Mac Brown comes in. Major Applewhite is his, is his quarterback, but he's able to recruit Chris Sims out of New Jersey. And that was a big deal at the time. Now, they didn't really win anything, so to speak, with Chris Sims. Because I want to say that Chris Sims kind of took over, God, I guess that was 2000. But they were on the cusp of, of getting to that point. And then in 01 and 02, Chris Sims was a the quarterback. They went 11 and 2. But the fact that they had gotten Chris Sims, then Vince Young is part of that 2002 class. And the next thing you know, Vince is there. It leads you to Colt McCoy. And, and you're starting to build these classes with a lot of high recruits, keeping a lot of talent from Texas. And they have just fallen so far away from that. I mean, they, they have just colossally dropped off from where they were. And now Sark, this is the type of recruits along with B. John Robinson and putting them on the national scale of, hey, look what, if you come play in my offense, you can be a Heisman Trophy running back. You can be this level of wide receiver. We're going to put up the numbers. Come play for us here at Texas. And, and it feels like they've opened the door to that. So I don't we'll think see. there's any doubt, man. Well, with B. John and, and uh, you know, because B. John is terrific. And so with the receivers that they got, dude, I mean, it's that offense ought to be explosive. It ought to be sensational. It ought to be fantastic. It should be. The defense is, like, I've been saying this, and people are like, oh, you're just saying that. I was like, man, I just hope Texas can hang within four touchdowns of Alabama because Alabama's offense will be able to do whatever they want to the Texas defense, and the Alabama defense, especially with, I mean, that's the, that'll be the second game Quinn Ewers plays in college, and he's going up against the Alabama defense. Dude, good luck for that. I mean, I, I, I think if it's 45-21 to 21 and you told me that was a score, I would probably take that right now because that means you oh. scored 21 points on the Alabama defense. Which you should be congratulated for. <laughs> I mean, people think I'm being facetious because I say that on the air here, and I'm like, I'm, not, I'm being dead serious. Like, I, I would bet right now. I don't know if I'd bet on 28. I'd bet on 21. If you, if you gave me Alabama and said they would win by a minimum of 21, I'd put money on that. Oh, uh, you'd have to. Because that's where I think this thing is, man. I mean, that's that defense that Alabama has, it, it has a chance this year. They're going to have one. It's probably not the best defense he's ever had, but it might be the second best he's ever had. Damn. I mean, they are quite nasty good. I mean, hell, Will Anderson might have gone number one overall this year, and he's coming back. I mean, that defense is loaded for Alabama. And Texas, 
That offensive line that might be starting two true freshmen. I mean, oh, God. It could get ugly. It could get ugly oh, in Austin. God. I'm just saying. Seriously, think about that. You could have two true freshmen, and and essentially, I mean, I know he's not a true freshman, but a freshman quarterback, none of whom have ever played a game in college, going up against the Alabama defense. Dude. Good luck. Of course. You know, that's the stuff that <laughs> legends, that creates legends. Yeah, it's also the stuff that you go, remember when you got your ass kicked that first start? I'll tell you one thing that is legendary, though, and that's Bruce Biltong. At least it is here on the podcast. And I know a lot of you have tried it. Jacques and I have had it many, many times. I've got a bag in my pantry right now. It's a great snack, man. I'm, I'm just a, I'm a big, big fan of Bruce Biltong. And if you haven't ordered yours yet, I, all I can say is get out and get it. Zero sugar, no artificial ingredients, high protein. And the best part is it's, it's kind of like beef jerky, but it's more tender so you're not sitting there chewing on it for an hour just for one bite. I think biltong is sensational. I think it's succulent. I think it's juicy. I think it's the kind of thing that just kind of melts in your mouth. That shaved biltong, that really does it for me, bro. And it's not just the flavor. It's the 30 grams of protein. It's the 240 calories in a two-ounce bag or pouch, whatever you prefer. That, to me, makes a perfect snack and a perfect meal. It really does. I, I have to agree wholeheartedly with you. And we also love that it's 15% off for Jam Session listeners, man, because we're the only podcast that, that they sponsor. We're the only podcast he's ever worked with. That's why, for you guys that are listening, you go to bruisebiltong.com, B-R-U-S-B-I-L-T-O-N-G.com. Use the promo code JAM15 at checkout, and you get 15% off your order. Do it right now. That seems really motivating. I got really into say, that one. What's Dang. your favorite phrase? Biltong. Put it in your mouth. Biltong is badass. Eat it. Yeah. That's what that it right is. There. I right. tried to get Steve to adopt that. He's like, I don't know. It seems a little intense. I was like, well, <laughs> nothing wrong with that. I can also tell you, or really Jacques can tell you, Freeway Tire Shop, man, for those of you looking for a place to take your vehicles, and it could be anything. I mean, I swear, you've, you've had literally everything done to one of your six cars. From a, from a new engine to something like a state inspection or an oil change, like JR has done everything for you. Yes, he has. And that's because I trust him to handle all the cars, man, with aplomb and to really take care of me. So I don't have to worry about it, bro. Um, the thing I like about JR, and I've told you this a thousand times, is I can trust him. You can't trust everybody with your ride. You can trust JR because, one, he diagnoses things very quickly. Two, you can trust him to use quality parts. And I know this because he asked me about it one day. He said, hey, your Cadillac converter's out. You want this one? You want that one? This one costs a little bit more, but it lasts a little longer. This one's a little bit less. But, hey, it'll get you by if you need it, but you're going to have to replace it sooner. I mean, who can't ride with that, dog? And then, you know, you can trust him to charge you a fair price. And then finally, man, you trust him to stand behind his work. To me, it doesn't get any better than JR, and that's why I take my cars to him as often as I can, even though nobody likes to take their cars to mechanic, man. But if you got to, Freeway Tire is the place to go. Yeah, we're always looking for people we can trust to do good work. We found them for you. Freeway Tire Shop, just north of downtown Dallas. You can request a quote, schedule an appointment, do all of that online at freewaytireshop.com. Let's take this trip around the block. I got a couple things here for you that I was curious about, and I wanted to throw them out. First off, we are about to, and I say we, all of you that live in the Dallas area, are about to get bombarded 
with what is known as the big chicken. Now, you got to be thinking, what the hell is the big chicken? The big chicken. Yes. That is Shaquille O'Neal's chicken restaurant. Now, I didn't know this, and I don't know if you knew this, but apparently Shaquille O'Neal has recently purchased a home and a piece of property in Collin County. Yeah, I read that recently. And I thought that was interesting. I was like, okay, Shaq, all right. You, and, you know, there could be a lot of different reasons why. I mean, I'm sure it's cost efficient, and he probably, you know, took out where Dion used to live and, and just made a massive property out of it. Who knows what he did? But he has a it's, – it's, it's, I don't know how you describe this. It, it's counter service, I guess. It's not fast food. It'd be similar to like Hattie B's if you've been over to Hattie B's at all for a chicken restaurant. Like I, fast casual, that's how they describe it. A fast casual chicken restaurant. And they have announced that as many as 56 big chicken restaurants are expected to open across Texas, including Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, and Austin beginning next year with several wow. of them slotted for the DFW area. Their CEO says, I would be stunned if Plano is not in the cards. Having said that he spent time looking in Plano, Frisco, and Prosper, as well as other areas around DFW. They have signed no leases yet, though, but they're going to launch 56 of these things. Shaquille O'Neal's Big Chicken Restaurant in the state of Texas. Dude, that that dude knows how to print money these days. I'm telling you. And you got to respect it, man. He, he, he had a name. He took advantage of his athletic ability. And now he's reaping the benefits of it in terms of off-the-field endorsements. And it just doesn't get any better than that. And, you know, man, I'm always impressed when cats can do that, man, because it's not easy. Um, but he's done it, and he's earned it. And uh, I'm glad to have him in Dallas. It doesn't hurt. Well, there's, and it's interesting because there's only seven locations right now in the country. And there are seven. A couple of them are inside Carnival cruise ships. There's one inside the Moody Center in Austin, the Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, and the Virgin Hotel in Las Vegas. So this is going to be their first foray into the more traditional brick-and-mortar type restaurant. And they offer, they say the most popular dish is the most dominant ever, which is obviously Shaq's nickname. Right. It's a fried chicken sandwich with Shaq sauce and pickles. Shack sauce. There's also a uh, Nashville hot chicken sandwich, and you can also order the Charles Barkley, which is a fried chicken sandwich loaded with mac and cheese, crispy fried onions, and roasted garlic barbecue aioli. Now, that does sound damn good. It does sound good, man. And how about this? If you'd like, if, if you're a big fan of dessert and you've got a couple people to share, they offer what's known as the Big Cookie, which has the circumference of a basketball. <laughs> And Shaq, apparently there's a there's a video for this. And Shaq says, it's like a dozen cookies made into a, me- a mega cookie served on a pizza board. Damn. <laughs> I mean, oh, you got to love that, dude. Sounds good to me. I'm, I like chicken. So the more chicken restaurants you can open up, I'll take them. Dude, you can never go wrong with that. But be looking forward to the big chicken, I guess, coming to DFW next year. Also, I'm, I'm curious about this. I thought this might be fun to talk about because there is a new movie that releases in theaters on Friday, June 24th, when many of you are listening to this. It is an Elvis biopic, 
It was directed by Boz Lerman, and those of you who are familiar with Romeo and Juliet with Leonardo DiCaprio or uh, Moulin Rouge, he he directed that. He's he's a big visionary director, and I don't know if you've seen the previews for this, man, but it looks badass, and the dude playing Elvis looks exactly like Elvis. Now, is it just haircut, or they found a guy, his doppelganger? I mean, I am telling you, I, I, and obviously there's probably some makeup that goes into this, but, I mean, he looks, especially like young Elvis, he looks like crazy like young Elvis. Wow. Why and go- it, I, I'm, I'm in for it. His name is Austin Butler. You got to Google this dude, man, because just him normal, he looks like Elvis. And then obviously they did some makeup and whatnot. And and Tom Hanks is in this. Like Tom Hanks plays the guy who discovered him and and managed him for most of his career. Um, Olivia DeJong is in this. Maggie Gyllenhaal is in this. And they are saying that this is the type of movie that's going to get a lot of award buzz and, and Oscar buzz at the beginning of next year for the performances from this Austin Butler kid and from Tom Hanks in this. Damn, well, you know, you got Hanks. Anytime you got Hanks in it, it cannot, I mean, it's hard for it to go wrong. And then if this other guy's got, you know, he's a young, talented guy, especially if he's an unknown and he can fit in and stand up to what Hanks is all about and not lose, you know what I mean, stay on screen with him without getting lost, yeah. then to me, where can you go wrong? That's, I mean, the sometimes, you know, a guy like Hanks, when he's involved in the project, he knows what it takes to win those awards. And, um, you know, sounds like he's got one that's in the conversation i guess so man and and this dude that's playing elvis i you know i saw once upon a time in hollywood he played tex watson so i obviously saw him in that but i don't remember seeing him in anything ever and apparently he beat out miles teller and harry styles who is a singer for this role and watermelon sugar yeah that's exactly right he sings watermelon sugar And seeing the previews in this, it looks incredible. It looks absolutely incredible. And it got me thinking because these biopics for musicians seems like, you know, there's always been some that have been around, but it feels like in recent years, we've gotten more and more of them. And they've been really good. Like Walk the Line several years back about Johnny Cash that had Joaquin Phoenix and Reese Witherspoon was phenomenal. I could watch that movie anytime. Straight out of Compton, which was about NWA and that whole thing with Dr. Dre and Ice Cube and all those guys. I mean, I thought that movie was incredible. You had the the Queen, the Bohemian Rhapsody that won Best Actor, Rocket Man about Elton John that came out a couple years ago, and they've all been really good. And, uh, you know, there there was one that, uh, what's our guy who did uh, James Brown? I didn't see that one, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then Don Uh, Cheadle, I think, did one on... Oh, Miles Davis. Yeah, that was too intense. I didn't go see that one. Yeah, but I mean, these these biopics, and apparently now, you know, the girl who plays Ruth in Ozark, Julia Garner, she just inked to do a Madonna biopic. Okay, she's going from Ruth to Madonna. Wow. She looks like Madonna. I mean, you could totally buy her as Madonna. I no, you can't. It's just funny from going to Poor White Trash route, which is what she plays in Ozarks to you know this super sophisticated sexy over the top sexy uh you know sex symbol yeah. for the last 40 years yeah so get on up was the one that you were talking about about james brown that starred chadwick boseman yeah yeah and so i mean there's been a few of these and for the most part they're really good and i love them because i always found out like i'll tell you this i, I this may come as a shock to many people i don't listen to a lot of rap music 
But <laughs> when I watched Straight Out of Compton, I thought the story was so compelling. And I mean, I knew who NWA was, and I'd heard, you know, I was kind of familiar with some of their stuff. But I went back and listened to a lot of their stuff because that movie kind of turned me on for the process and like the story of it. And it's really kind of the same with Queen. Like when Bohemian Rhapsody came out, I was real familiar with Queen. I, I, I could have named several Queen songs, but I didn't realize how vast their catalog was and how many songs that Queen had done over the years. And I just thought that that was absolutely just kind of, it's really interesting when, and for the most part, these movies have, I mean, they take some liberties. There's some dramatic liberties, of course, but for the most part, they're rooted in fact and they're rooted in a true story. And I think a lot of the times these big time musicians and, and groups and whatnot, you don't have to do too much because the actual story of what they are and the real story of it is so different than what most people experience. The movie is basically done. You just got to put some people behind it. Dude, yeah. Uh, but they're also iconic people, uh, which to me makes it harder to play because you have to really be yeah. sensational to pull it off because everybody knows them. It's not like, you know, there's a surprise. We don't know what they're all about. Um, and if you can pull it off, it's sensational. Yeah, like the dude who ended up playing and, and, and winning the best actor for playing Freddie Mercury in the Bohemian Rhapsody movie, Rami Malek. And I mean, he was phenomenal. He was really, really good. And I'll be looking forward to this Elvis biopic and, and seeing how much I thought that I knew about Elvis and where they go from here. And there's so, I mean, you could do this, like the Stones, you could do one about. You could do one about Fleetwood Mac. And I, I mean, I feel like some of these big time bands that have been around for forever, there's so much that goes on behind the scenes. Like, did you ever see the Motley Crue biopic called The Dirt that was on Netflix a few years ago? No, because, you know, I, I'd have to be watching it with you or something. I ain't just going to stop by and watch the Motley Crue. I mean, dude, that movie is on a different planet. But it's, it's apparently all true because it was based on a book that was an autobiography, basically, uh, uh, with Motley Crue. And so all the stories that you see play out in the movie, you're like, oh, my God, is this real? This is unbelievable. Sniffing ants. I mean, all kinds of just random crap that they did. Hell, Led Zeppelin would be. I think if you wanted to do a biopic about Jimmy Page and Led Zeppelin, that would be phenomenal if they wanted to put that together. Dude. I, so we'll I see. Just, um, I just, you know, I think they have the money, they have the time, and the technology is good enough that you can pull off all of those. We'll see. It seems like there's one coming out at least every year, every other year nowadays, so maybe they'll get around all these bands. So the other thing that we had for you, and you got to relive this, I would imagine, is your grandson who has started playing t-ball. Well, first off, yes. Um, I'm a big believer and uh, your kids need to play sports. Uh, one, it helps with their coordination. Two, it helps them learn how to deal with, you know, just other people and other kids they might not know. And, you know, how about this, man? And I don't know if this was you when you were a kid. It helps you learn how to win and how to lose because I was the source of sore losers as a kid. And uh, playing sports helped me. Uh, and playing sports really helped my son because – and I think I told Matt this before. In the span of about four years, my son was on an undefeated championship team, a team that didn't win a game and scored two touchdowns the whole year. And he just experienced a myriad of emotions and experiences in those three or four years that were all good to me. So uh, when I found out my grandson was playing t-ball, I was all hyped, man. Uh, but you got to understand, this is a league that uh, they're not really keeping score because this is the first time they're playing. 
it's more about learning how to play the game and all this other stuff. So, you know, bro, when you don't know how to play baseball, you know, kids hit the ball off the tee and they run the third base. <laughs> or they hit the ball. And did Maddox ever do this? Carry the bat to first base? Yeah, yeah, you see that. I mean, you, you have to uh, – a lot of the times, like, there were kids, and even he would do this a couple of times, they'd hit the ball, and they were just like, so excited that they hit it that they just stand there and look at you. Yep. yep and, yep, and yep. you know, you're, on the, you're in the, the bleachers or whatever. You're like, run, <laughs> run, run to first base. Yep. And, uh, you know, the, <laughs> then my grandson gets a hit. He sprints to first base. But he's like, and he's he's a he's a he looks like a good athlete. Um, like he looks to, like if you saw him in his uniform, you'd be like, okay, he looks like I don't know if he can play, but he looks like he should be able to. Dude, he gets to first base. The next kid is up to bat, and he's tired. Ooh, oh my! So what do you think he does, Matt? He just sits down. You're damn right he does. <laughs> I knew it. I knew and it, I'm man. like, Elon, get up! And he looks at me. He's like, I'm tired. <laughs> I bet he was. Yeah. I'm like, I don't care, you video game kid. Get your ass up. And I didn't say that, so there's no need to text me. But dude, I mean, it was just hilarious watching them play. Uh, I'm sending you a picture, Matt, uh, because you know, Matt knows I'm a I'm a picture taker. Uh, but uh, dude, it, it was just hilarious to watch them play. And you know this, man. We're dealing with little kids. Some of them are really excited to play, and some of them are like, why did you interrupt my cartoon watching to bring me out here? <laughs> He's just sitting right on the base. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's or, awesome. Dude, and so it was a good time, man. And, and to me, the great thing is they don't, they're really just understanding how to, the rudiments of how the game is played. And so there's no need to have, in this particular case, there's, you know, winners or losers of score is really kind of irrelevant. They just like hit the ball and run to first base. If somebody hits the ball, you try to catch it. You try to run to the base and beat them there. They try to throw it a little bit. So, and I think that's fine because at some point you got to learn how to play before you can really be competitive. Yeah. Um, you know, so many people right away, ah, we want to win, we want to start, and all this stuff. I got to tell you, man, and I'm going to show you, send you this last picture because I think it's cool and it changed my mind about something. At the end of the game, uh, each team, you know, they went around their coach or whatever. And I thought that everybody got a medal. And I was like, look at us with these participation medals. Yeah. Um, but that wasn't the case. They really kind of gave one to one who was kind of like the, I don't want to, it's not the best player. It's like the player who showed the most, I, for lack of a better word, because I really don't know what it's for. Interesting. Oh, they, call, they call it sportsmanship. Oh, okay, I see it on the ribbon there, yeah. Yeah, but look at that dude's face, man. <laughs> He's pumped. Like, dude, like, and I was like, he was really, really thrilled that he got this medal. I'm sure he was. And so, because everybody didn't get one. Yeah. And he went from being like, so I got to go, I got to go play baseball this week. That's, okay, okay, fine. I'll go to every day. So what time is the game? Because I want to make sure I'm ready on time to get to the game. Hey, can you come play catch with me? I mean, he's like all in, man. And it's great to see because he's still got the innocence of youth and sports with him right now, which will change someday. 
you know, at eight, nine, sure. ten, eleven, yeah. twelve. Some some coach will steal his joy and cuss him out. Happens. Or yell at him or something or, you know, whatever. But for now, he's got just the joy of being a kid playing sports. And it reminded me, really, bro, without sounding, you know, too much like a sap. That's why I started covering sports, man, because I love sports. Yeah, there is something to be said about that. And I remember when Maddox was doing T-ball and everybody, I can't remember how many little kids were on the team. I think it was like 12 or 13. And when, when you, they all played in the field. And they all batted. And, and you basically like, all right, well, you guys go over here. And, and, you know, because they didn't really know what they were doing. You're just trying to get them out there and do some action. But it is. And I remember playing T-ball when I was a little kid. And I, I played baseball for many years when I was little. And, you know, my son, I don't know, I guess he, his interest in sport kind of comes and goes. Like he'll say, I think I want to play baseball again. And then he's like, oh, I don't know if I want to. It's so slow and boring. And then it's, I want to play basketball. And it kind of goes back and forth. It's weird. I don't know. Right, right. No, I get it. I mean, it's kind of like people who like the sport. You fall in and out of love with it on a particular day. Yeah, and I, I think the reality of it is, I mean, as we all knew, I mean, it takes, it takes some time and investment once you get to a certain age if you really want to be good at it. And then you have to decide, am I willing to do some of the, like, like when you're playing T-ball, you're probably not really practicing and it doesn't matter if you are or not. I mean, let's be honest. Dude, they practice 30 minutes before the actual game. You know, and even if you had to practice during the week, it's like once you reach, and it might be kids pitch maybe, or right at the end of coaches pitch, where if you're not going home and practicing with by yourself or, you know, your dad or your mom or a brother or somebody is taking you to a ball field to practice outside of actual team practices, then what happens is you get to a point where the kids that are doing that are so much better than you that it's not a lot of fun for you anymore. Oh, no, bro. You got to decide whether you want to play baseball, like little league, travel ball, even for nine or eight, nine-year-olds or like YMCA ball. You got to pick how how committed you are, and however committed you are, you got to find a league where everybody's that level of commitment. Yeah, and, and like when I was playing, like in seventh grade, I was playing. Well, even in sixth grade, I did this. Actually, I did this for a couple of years. I think I played in like the whatever, like Rockwall. I don't even know what they have anymore, but they had RBA, which was Rockwall Baseball Association, that you had to try out for and actually be good. And then they had YMCA baseball, which anybody could play. And I played both just because I enjoyed playing it so much. You know, and then in the fall, I'd play basketball, and I did all that. I never played football. I, I played some golf when I think I was either in middle school, maybe a freshman in high school. I think I did a little bit with the golf team, and that was about it. But, I mean, those are my focuses. And I swam a lot. You know, I, I swam competitively until seventh grade, <coughs> and Rockwell didn't have a swim team. Otherwise, I would have swam in high school. I, I yeah. look at that sometimes. I go, you know, Rockwall now, they've got lacrosse, and they got ice hockey, and they got swimming, and they got a freaking nice-ass natatorium. I was like, man, if that if, if that had been there when I was in, but then if that had been there when I was in high school, would I have gotten into theater? Would it have led me to radio? Who knows? I don't know. It's weird. You're just you're just ahead of your time, bro. That's Apparently, all. I've always been ahead of my time. One day, somewhere, somehow, somebody will look back and be like, man, you're right on time. That dude was a genius back then. I remember that. <laughs> I remember that. As we move forward here, let's tell you about. HFX Foundation Solutions. You know when it gets crazy hot out like this, that the heat can just, I mean, it'll do things to your foundation that's unnatural. It'll fry it. You'll, you'll notice a, maybe some shifting, some moving. 
Well, your house will signify if there's a foundation problem. You'll see cracks in the floors on the walls, sloped floors. Doors will start sticking. If you start to notice those types of things, that is the early warning sign that your house is saying, hey, man, just to let you know, foundation's kind of wonky. You might want to get it checked out. If I was you, I would call Aaron. They're local. <laughs> they're family-owned. I would call Aaron immediately at 817-770-0174. Have him come out for a free, no-obligation inspection and find out exactly what's going on. I think the thing about it is, because, I mean, dude, I checked it last night. It was 97 degrees at 1030 at night. Good God almighty. That should be so, fake. The heat is kicking butt taking names. And if you want the peace of mind that your foundation's cool, that it's in good shape, what you do is pick up the phone and give Aaron and let his team come by and give it the once over, man. The phone call, the, the uh, examination doesn't cost anything. Let them come give you the once over. Give you some peace of mind. And if by chance they do find something, well, good for you that you found it probably early rather than late and that they can get, a, get in on it, repair it, and it probably costs you a fraction of what it would if they catch it late. That's the process. I mean, that's the reason why you want them early in on the process. Exactly right, man. They can get you taken care of. They also do drainage and gutter installations and all that type of stuff. And, and again, a lot of people don't think about that, but if your property in the area around your home is not draining properly, and you know how it is in Texas, especially. It'll be hot, hot, hot. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, there's like a deluge of a storm. Well, if your property's not draining right, that can screw with your foundation. So have him come out, man. See if he can help you. HFX Foundation Solutions. 817-770-0174 or online at hfxfoundation.com. So before we get into some NBA draft thoughts here, thought I'd throw this out for you. Because the U Darvish trade, remember when they traded him to the Dodgers and Willie Calhoun was the player that was really the nugget of the Darvish trade? And reality of it is at the time, like, okay, this dude can hit. He's got a bat, but can he play in the field? Well, lo and behold, Willie Calhoun is no longer a Texas Ranger. As somehow, some way, they found someone to trade for him. Now, this is interesting to me. Because Willie Calhoun a couple of weeks ago was designated for assignment. And when yeah. you're DFA'd, that means you're out of options. And you have to go through waivers. And any team in Major League Baseball can grab you off waivers for free. Nobody claimed Willie Calhoun. So he had been at AAA for the last couple of weeks. And today he was traded to the San Francisco Giants for an outfielder named Steven Duggar in cash considerations, which basically means the Rangers were paying somebody to take Willie Calhoun away from them and were like, well, just give us back some of your trash. <laughs> but Willie Calhoun, man, no longer a Texas Ranger for a guy that, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and act like it was some kick-ass, super exciting deal when Calhoun got here but based on where the Rangers farm system was at the time I think there was always a glimmer that he might be more than what he ever became and he just he never was for whatever reason well he, well, he never became the hitter he was supposed to become yeah I mean, he had a good little stretch for a minute but he was never that that you know he, he could never play defense he was like uh I mean he was really built to be a DH but I mean at least you got to be a good hitter to be a DH and I, I was ex, uh, excited is too strong a word, but I thought for a minute he had a chance to be a, a, a solid player. 
But then, bro, his attitude just went topsy-turvy. Like, yep. dude, and we're talking about baseball players here, but you're not that good, bro. Like, you can't be having attitude, bro, because you ain't done nothing. Like, like for real, dog. Like, you, you literally ain't done nothing. Why are you tripping? Why are you acting like you're a bigger deal than you are? Because you're not. And baseball, to me, is pretty, uh, pretty basic. If you can hit and you can play, then you can be a little bit of a douche. And if you can't, just kind of shut up. Yeah, and that's where he was, man. I mean, this is what's so crazy because we forget how long ago it was that that you Darvish was here. This was his sixth season with Texas for Willie Calhoun. That's really unbelievable. It it, it is unbelievable because they traded him in the 2017 season is when Darvish got traded. So obviously Calhoun was barely here for 2017, only played 13 games, but five seasons. And in 2019, he played 83 games, hit 21 home runs, batted 269, and that's the best we ever got out of him. Outside of that, he was trash, the attitude problem, the back and forth, the not quite good enough. And that's what they call AAA. If you're good in AAA, because most play and the Rangers are notorious for doing this, if they think you can play, they put they, like like Zeke Duran, who's in the lineup right now and is killing it. The the big piece from the Gallo trade from New York, they didn't send him to AAA. He was playing in Frisco, and when they needed him, they're like, all right, let's go to the majors. And and usually, if you can't make that jump, then you're kind of a AAA guy. And if you're a AAA guy, generally speaking, you're probably not quite good enough to be an everyday major leaguer. Yeah, and that's uh, you know. I've, I think sometimes they call them four A guys yeah. because you're 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 actually good in AAA, but you can just never make the adjustments and never get it right, so that you become a real big uh, big leaguer, and then you're just always on the shuttle, AAA to the big leagues, AAA to the big leagues, AAA to the big leagues. Uh, nothing wrong with that. I mean, clearly it's hard to get to the big leagues and stay. That's why not everybody can do it. But uh, you know, man, it's. Uh, I thought he was just going to be a better player than he was, and so to me, that's a little bit disappointing. It is. It is disappointing, and, and so there you go. No more Willie Calhoun. The other thing, and I, and Jacques and I are recording this, and not that it matters because the Mavs don't have a pick tonight anyway, so who cares? But the NBA draft is tonight, and it's interesting because you and I were kind of going back and forth on this, and you know, the NFL draft. Everybody watches the NFL draft. Rega- like, everybody regardless everybody like okay the cowboys have the well i was gonna say the 32nd pick but let's not kid ourselves yeah come the, on the cowboys have the 27th pick in the in the nfl draft oh my god we're gonna watch the the whole three hours before it gets to the cowboys pick who are they gonna pick it tw- oh my god who is it in the nba the mavs before they traded the pick the mavs are picking what i think 26th something like that it Nobody was going to watch. No, even if the Mavs kept their pick, nobody would care. No. And, you know, we were trying to figure out why, man. I think some of it is in the NFL, the draft is about hope. And we've seen rookies come in. And we don't have to think far. Michael Parsons shows up, and he's a friggin' difference maker. Like, wow, where did that guy come from? Odell Beckham Jr. shows up, and oh, my God. And there's a lot more hope, I think, that the guy you get is a transformational player who can transform your franchise into what it has been into something that's that's a lot better. And in the NBA, bro, it just seems like more and more and more um, those players don't exist, either because they're too young, because they're American-born college players, or you don't have any interest in them because they're European players and yeah. you've never heard their names 
until a week ago, and you certainly don't know whether they can play or not. And there's just not there's nothing to hold on to to give the various franchises hope. And then no matter who you do draft, it's hard to be a star in the NBA, man. Yeah, and a lot of it, like like for instance, tonight it looks like it'll be Jabari Smith from Auburn as the number one overall pick, or maybe Chet Holmgren. We'll see. But point being, even if they do draft those guys number one or number two overall, it's probably going to be four or five years before they even get to a point in their careers where they turn out the way they were supposed to. Dude, that's like a minor league baseball player or a hockey draft. It is kind of that way. I mean, Luca showed up on the scene and was ready to go, but he came from something that was above college. And a lot of these guys who are drafted into the NBA are 18, 19 years old. They're super young, and they need two, three, sometimes even four seasons to really, truly develop into something. And I think that that plays into it as well. I mean, you know, for me, obviously being a Mavs fan and you look at just the Mavs history of drafting because you're like, when's the last time you got excited for the, for the draft? And it's true. I was excited because we were working at ESPN at the time and I was stoked for the Luka Doncic draft in 2018 because the Mavs had the number five overall pick. And so we were like, once you found out the Mavs are going to have a top five pick, you start doing, okay, well, I can look at five players. Like, I'm not going to look at 26 random-ass college players and try to figure out who at 26 might be good. Right. But five players I could look at, like, okay, you know, maybe Trey Young. God, what if Luca falls? And you read all this stuff, and I started... I'll tell you this, and I don't know how many people did this before they drafted Luca, but when... Before that draft, if you went back and you watched what was available on YouTube about Luca, you you became obsessed with him. I was like, I don't I was like, oh my God, we have to get this guy. We have to have him. And that was just based off of YouTube videos. And obviously I was into it then. I was kind of curious in 2017 when they had the ninth pick and it ended up being Dennis Smith. But dude, before that, honestly, I was gonna say this, and I think this is probably true. I think he probably had to go back to the Dirk year in 98 because they had the sixth pick. And I remember being pissed when they picked Robert Trailer because I thought he was trash. <laughs> I'm not even sure. Um, yeah, but I didn't have – you may have thought he was trash, but I didn't go, oh, Dirk Nowitzki, yeah, this guy. No, I didn't think great. anything of that. I mean, at the time yeah. – see, people forget like probably looking back because that was at a time where just a couple of years prior to that – they had drafted Cherokee Parks with the 12th overall pick and then Lauren Meyer also in the first round, two big, clunky white dudes that probably yes. nobody wanted. And so, and then remember they took Samaki Walker who ended up being trash. Yep. And so for a couple of years there, you were like, my God. And then when they announced that trade, you're like, oh my God, we just got Cherokee Parks again. Awesome. Dirk Nowitzki. <laughs> you know, I was Pretty excited much. back in the 90s because, you know, they had, you go back to 91, they had the sixth pick. Then in 92, it was the fourth pick. 93, the fourth pick. 94, the second pick where they got Jason Kidd. And I, I remember those drafts, but I was really, I mean, I was playing basketball back then. I was playing high school basketball. I was really into basketball. So I actually listened because my dad didn't want to watch the draft. I remember when they drafted Jamal Mashburn, I listened to the draft on the radio. Damn. Yeah. Um, I th but I think that's also when the game was different because you would follow guys all through college and you're like, oh, this guy should be great. He was great at 
you know, Kentucky or, you know, UCLA or yeah. whatever. He should come in the league and, and make it do what it do. Yeah, and so now, I don't know, man. It's interesting. I mean, I talked about it a little bit today just because of the Auburn connection in the area that I'm in because Auburn's never had a player drafted in the top three of the NBA draft, and that'll happen tonight with Jabari Smith. And they've never had two players taken in the first round, and that'll happen tonight because Walker Kessler will also get drafted in the first round. But I think that's interesting because you look at it, Chuck Person played at Auburn. He was fourth pick overall. And then Charles Barkley played at Auburn. Barkley was the fifth pick overall, and that was in that loaded 84 class where Hakeem Olajuwon went number one, Michael Jordan went number three. You know, in between those guys, the Portland Trailblazers with Sam Bowie, and then the Mavs had the fourth pick in that draft. Could have had Charles Barkley in 1984. You're like, eh, Sam Perkins is pretty good. Well, you know, and Sam see. Perkins was pretty good in college, especially. Right, and so I, I can't really. And he, he had a long, good NBA career. He just wasn't great. He was just really good. Yeah, he was. He was okay. I will say he was okay. And so I think, you know, you look back in the Mavs for, I don't know, it feels like for a long time just were so freaking bad that you were like, okay, are we going to get, you know, I, I mean, literally that next type of Dirk Nowitzki type player, that Luka Doncic type player. And unless you're at the top of the draft, I don't, I mean, what's the point? Like the miss rate is so high in the NBA on that stuff, like crazy high. Like I was just looking at this. I just randomly went back the 2013 NBA draft. So these guys would be well into their careers now. Number one overall, Anthony Bennett, Cleveland Cavaliers. Number two, Victor Oladipo. He's pretty good. Number three, Otto Porter Jr. Meh. Cody Zeller went fourth. Alex Lynn, fifth. Nerlens Noel, sixth. Ben McLemore, seventh. Oh, my. Contavious Caldwell Pope, eighth. Trey Burke was ninth. See, and then here's the thing, because you go, oh, well, Giannis was in that draft. Yeah, at 15th, because nobody was like, oh, my God, Giannis is here. We should get him with the top five pick. C.J. McCollum went 10th. Nobody thought McCollum was like a top three or four pick. Right, right, right. I mean, the, the randomness of the NBA draft, I, I, I mean, to me, it might even be more random than hockey. Probably. I mean, look at James Harden. It's true, like, man. I don't, even, I don't even remember him at Arizona State, let alone getting drafted. Anybody going, oh, yeah, this is a great deal. Um, before I forget, you you were correct about Sam Perkins. I just looked at his career stats, and he played a long time. Like He, he was played, average in an NBA guy. Yeah, he played 16 seasons, career average. I was shocked by this, Matt, 11.9. Man. Yeah, I mean, that's... And six rebounds. That was his career. Now, when it was at Dallas, he was more like a 14-8 and eight guy. But you know the most amazing thing of his career? Now, this is just me, man. I, I mean, I, I, I was literally shocked when I saw this. Um, He played six seasons in Oklahoma City. I had no idea that that was the <laughs> thing. Dude, I don't even remember him playing one in Oklahoma City. Huh. And I'm looking at it, and he started like 81, 82, 82, 81, 81. He played every game. I remember him in Dallas. Are you I sure you're him. looking at the right Sam Perkins? Oklahoma City didn't exist until like 2008. 
Where did they come from? Seattle. Seattle? Yeah. Oh, that's what it must be. I remember him in Seattle. Yeah, because okay, he went that's there. that's what like, it was. Well, this is stupid. Why did they put Oklahoma City on this thing? They should put Seattle. I was like, there's no way, man, because if he was drafted in 84, there's no way he was in the league in 2008. Okay, see, you know, I was having an old man moment, and I'm glad you helped because I'm like, <laughs> I, have, I have zero recollection of him with Oklahoma City. Like, when did that happen? Yeah, man. I mean, that that's, you know, and I wonder about that Sam Perkins pick, if it was because Charles Barkley was smaller. And I say oh, that sure. because Sam Perkins was 6'9", and Barkley was 6'6", and the Mavs had Mark Aguirre when they drafted Perkins. And, oh, Mark Aguirre was Barkley. Yeah, and I wonder if they felt like, well, we've got a 6'6", you know, thick 230-plus-pound dude. We don't need another one. Right. Now, obviously, Charles Barkley went out, and even as a rookie, put up 14-8, and eight, and in his second year was already averaging 20-12. and 12. So uh, who knows? And, and Mark Aguirre and all the problems that he had. But man, I don't know, man. You look at that team, and I, I can see that. I can see because you you felt good about where you had with Brad Davis, Derek Harper, Rolando Blackman, and Mark Aguirre were all on that team when they drafted Sam Perkins. And like I said, I mean Sam Perkins was a really solid collegiate player. I mean he didn't. It's not like he sucked coming out of college or something like that. He was really good right. at North Carolina. But, man, I don't know. It, it's, you know, it's like Portland. Portland not taking Michael Jordan and, and that whole thing. It's like Portland not taking Kevin Durant, taking Greg Oden instead. You know, you to me, you looked at Greg Oden and you thought, I'm pretty sure that dude's 83 years old. There's no way he can play. <laughs> but, hey, Portland thought, why not? We've got the next Moses Malone-looking dude in the league. Or, you know, um, you could say that with all the teams with Luca's draft, you know. Uh, True. Phoenix, Phoenix took the big guy who's more of a traditional guy. And then Sacramento was like, oh, we got De'Aaron Fox, so we don't need another point guard or we don't need him to share the ball. So let's just take Bagley, who's been just a guy. Uh, you know, all those teams have, 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 have reasons why they passed and probably all of them in their own way wish they hadn't. Yeah, man, it, it's just – it's it's – it's the NBA draft. It is a colossal cluster of randomness, especially when it comes to the Mavs. I mean, you look at the Mavs. Now, 2018, technically they drafted Trey Young, but Luka Doncic and Jalen Brunson. But the year before that, Dennis Smith Jr., who ended up being a nothingness. And stop me if you legit remember that these dudes were drafted by the Mavs in recent years. Justin Anderson... Satnam Singh Baharamama, <laughs> A.J. Hammonds, Shake Milton, Isaiah Roby, Josh Green, Tyrell Terry. No, bro. I mean, there you go. I mean, literally, and I, I actually, I remember that 2018 draft for Jalen, too, because when they got Brunson, I was like, oh, my God. We just got a four-year starting point guard who's won two national championships in college in the second round. That's awesome. Oh, no, Absolutely. But outside of that, I mean, I'm looking at some of these names they've drafted. Oh, no, what happened? Not either. Okay. Like, even Josh Howard, when they got him in the first round, I don't recall anybody being stoked about him. I mean, my God, yeah, I, I mean, you have to go all the way back. From Wake Forest. Dude, if I read you the names they've drafted. And you know what, bro? Bottom line, that might be part of the reason why we don't give a damn about the Mavericks draft. Holy crap. I mean, before the Luka draft, and, and again, keep in mind, nobody knew that, that Dirk was going to do what Dirk did. Before that, 
before Luca in 2018, I think you got to go all the way back to 94 when they took Jason Kidd second overall to have a name that actually excites you when you scroll through their overall picks. Now, you're probably right. It was all about the three J's three years in a row. Yeah, because it was uh, Jim Jackson, then Jamal Mashburn, and then Jason Kidd. Yeah. And then a woman broke them apart. <laughs> oh, what could have been. And now look at Jay Kidd's the coach. He's back. What the hell is Jim Jackson doing? Does anybody even know? <laughs> Actually, that's a really good question. What is Jim Jackson doing? Uh, he runs, uh, you know, he's very good, man. He runs a bunch of businesses. And, uh, you know, he does uh, NBA college. I mean, does college games. Man, he's 51 years old. I know. I went to college with him. So uh, we dap up and talk every time I see him uh, doing a college game. But uh, he's a really, really, really astute businessman. And he made a bunch of money running different businesses. Like he was uh, like, I can't remember the name of this place, man. But he owned this very popular bar restaurant in Uptown, like. On the 75 side, like over there by the old monk or one of those places over there. Hmm. Because I went one time and years later, I, somebody said, oh, yeah, Jim Jackson owned that spot. I said, Jim Jackson owned that spot? And they're like, yeah. Weird. I was like, wow. Interesting. So Jamal Mashburn, for those of you wondering, apparently as of 2018, owned over 90 businesses, including 34 Outback Steakhouses, 37 Papa John's, a number of car dealerships across the state of Kentucky, and is a partner in Old Memorial Stable, along with former Kentucky coach Rick Patino, which owns Kentucky, which owns like horses and does Kentucky Derby racing and stuff like that. Now, let me tell you, this is just my opinion on this thing, Matt. Sometimes it ain't really all that complicated. Like, if you've got money and you don't know what to do with it, buying a bunch of Outback Steakhouses... That seems like a good idea. Yeah, because they're Out everywhere. Back is, they're everywhere. They're always like you don't have to reinvent the wheel about what to do with your money. You you want to know what to do with your money? Buy fifty Wendy's or McDonald's or something that's been around forever that ain't going nowhere. And maybe it doesn't make a million dollars a year. Maybe it only makes five hundred thousand, man. But you make five hundred thousand every year, and you hire somebody to run it for you or be in charge of it, and you just sit back and watch the money roll in. You don't have to reinvent the wheel, man. When you got cash and money, just take somebody else's idea and just ride with it. Yeah, apparently so, man. So if you ever wondered, oh, and, and by the way, the other Jay, Jason Kidd, is currently the head coach of the Mavs. So. Oh, yeah, that guy. There's those three. <laughs> but do you know what Tony Braxton is doing? That's the real question. I mean, is she not like doing some random ass singing thing sometimes? Yeah, she is. She is. She's probably on Cameo and, you know, you can hire her for private songs. Man, she's 54 now. Well, I mean, all those guys are the same age, so it makes sense. I'm 55, so, you know, watch yourself. I'm watching it. I understand. It's no big deal. I'm just saying. Okay. okay. That these people that I remember as rookies in the 90s are now in their 50s. It's just, it's just it, what are you going to do? Yeah. Tony Braxton, huh? You a big fan? Yeah, I was. Love should have brought your ass home last night. That was one of her big songs. Yeah. Was it? Was she singing that to Jamal Mashburn? Or Jim Jackson. One of the one two. two. Well, Should have brought your ass home. God, man. What really could have song. been? What could have been? That's depressing. I don't even like to think about it. Yeah, we'll never know. Because they broke them up, and then it led to us getting Dirk and the big German. And all that happened. Hell yeah. And here we are in the Jam Session Podcast. Appreciate all you guys. Thanks for doing it with us. 
We'll have another new episode coming your way on Monday morning. So keep telling your friends. It, it works. We have more listeners now than ever, and we appreciate you very much. Thanks for everything that you do to help grow this thing with us. It really does mean a lot. We'll talk to you on Monday. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session Podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.